Good morning, Hill City. Give yourselves a hand for making it out today. Wow, I'm so proud of you. Come on, I want you to look around. I want you to see how good looking of a group this is. Notice that uh, you've got some of the finest looking people in the entire nation sitting next to you. Look over there. You got some. What I love about Hill City is you got, a, you got this beautiful little taste of heaven. And I always say it like this to you. If you don't like black folk, don't go to heaven. If you don't like white folk, don't go to heaven. If you don't like Hispanic or Asian folk, don't go to heaven because we're going to spend eternity together. So we better figure it out right here while we got time. Amen. Are you with me? Say yes. And if you don't like older folk or younger folk, they get on your nerves. You're not going to be doing too well in heaven because we're going to be together forever. And so I want to applaud you for being a multiracial, a multigenerational church. You're so beautiful. And it is a privilege to pastor you. And, uh, and we give you all of our love. As this is our first in live service because uh, last week on New Year's first we did what we called Hill City at Home or Cyber Sunday is what we used to call it so the name kind of stayed a little bit and wasn't that magnificent how many of you guys joined in last week at some point you looked alright thank you for being online with us I was loving you from my living room I was having a blast watching myself preach I was like look at that little ugly guy my god it's a good word though I almost got saved I was that close I was that close raising my hand uh, well, as we jump in today, we started last week online. We started our series for 2023. It's kind of the, the message for the year for us, quite frankly. And we've titled it Rhema. Everybody say Rhema. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 26 is kind of our key passage here. Let's jump into that right as we go. It says, just, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of with water through the word. And I put in parentheses the Greek word used there for word is rhema. Everybody say rhema. rhema. Say it again. Say rhema. rhema. This rhema. Now in the New Testament, in the Greek, the Bible, the word of God, it's used. Two different Greek terms are used quite frequently. Rhema is one and the other one is logos. And they're really hard to differentiate between the two. Um, but there is a slight difference, and, and Logos more is the solid, what is line upon line, the spoken things of God, His Holy Scriptures, the Logo. Rhema has a little different connotation to it. It has this, this revelation piece to it. So it's not just that you hear the words or that words are on the page, it's the aha to the words. It's the, have you ever, were you ever sitting in calculus, calculus class and then all of a sudden it went, Oh, I get it. Yeah, me either. But anyway, people who have experienced that, people who have experienced that know what I'm talking about. It's the rhema. All of a sudden, it's not just words on the page, or it's just not just a, a words coming out of someone's mouth. It all of a sudden becomes understanding. It becomes a part of you. In fact, it's actually translated out, rhema is translated out, the utterance of God, an utterance of God. So God says it, and you get it. And, uh, and I actually translated it like this. It's when God's ways and his truths come alive inside of you, thereby becoming your ways and your truth. I remember when I had rhema, I had rhema that I was wicked. Prior to that, I didn't understand. I, didn't, I was better than everybody else. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't hurt anybody. But when I had an understanding that I am a sinful man, and even in my best days of trying to be good, I could not be good enough that I was, if you will, by nature sinful. I had a rhema of that. I had a revelation of that. And when you have a revelation of that, then you recognize, I need a savior. I need someone to save me from me. And I remember when I had a revelation, a, a, a rhema of that. 
And so as we dive into this series, the really goal of this whole series is that you and I would begin to have rhemas with God. That we'd have rhemas with God. That this year, things that you never let God put his finger on. You never let, you, not that you didn't want him to, you just didn't know how to engage like that. That this year there would be rhemas and you go, oh my goodness, I see it. Oh my goodness, I see it. I get it now. I know if you're like me, there are parts of the Bible and there are things about God that when I read through it or when I hear people talk about it, I'm just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I struggled with the concept Trinity for many, many years because the word's not in the Bible. But I struggled with it until I got it one day. It's just me and Jesus going through his scriptures and I got it. And so because of that, we've committed this year to really read down through the Word of God together as a spiritual family. How many of you with me? Say yes. Amen. In fact, I, I gave you some stats, and they'll open up every time we open up for the next couple weeks. Every time we open up the Word portion of the, of the services, you'll see these stats. But let me just quote them to you for a little bit. Um, it came from the Center for Bible Engagement. They polled 40,000 people. That's a really good-sized poll. Uh, and, and, and statistically, to find out these Christians are, are from all the way, I think it was from, like from 8 to, to 80. And uh, do you read the Bible? How often do you read the Bible? How is it helping your life? Are you finding that you're changing in God? And this is what they found, that people who engaged with the Bible once a week, maybe they just came to church once a week, um, that engagement had a minuscule effect on their life. It's, it's not that they weren't Christians. It just didn't, that one time engaging with God's, Nature and his word just really didn't affect their life in a very positive way. And, and, and then those who had a two time a week, maybe they went to church on Sunday and, you know, Wednesday night before they went to bed, they read the Bible a little bit. It, it as well just barely had a blip on the screen of affecting their life. So you think three times a week would really have some kind of magnificent transformation in people's life. And it didn't either. It got, again, just a little blip on the screen. Maybe they, maybe they went to small group uh, once a week and they, and, they, and they went to church on Sunday once a week and they read their Bible just a little bit. But for those who engage with God's word four times a week, Everything from, you know, uh, reading the scriptures every morning when they woke up or, or, you know, missing it a couple of days. But those who engaged with God's holy word at least four times a week, something exploded in their life. And here's the percentages. First off, the feeling of loneliness dropped 30%. Now, as a pastor, I'm always crying out for those who are single, single moms, single dads, those who have been faithful to the Lord and not gone out to the clubs and tried to hook up with somebody, those who are just like, Lord, I, I'm, when you bring me my mate, when you bring someone in my life, I'm going to be ready for them. And so I carry that many times they feel lonely. I carry as your pastor that many times because of what you've been through, you're not really good relationally, and so you literally are lonely. You come home from work and you're lonely. That drops 30% when you get into the Word four times a week. That's miraculous. You talk about a solution to problems. Look at this other thing they found, that anger issues dropped 32%. Each and every one of you probably look back on 2022 and say, yeah, I probably blew that one. Lost my mind sitting there in traffic and them idiots in, praise the Lord. You know, that would have dropped almost 32% in your life if you were engaging with the Word of God four times a week. Look at this. Also, bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. That's huge. You say, I just can't put up with them no more at work. That's because you're not engaging with the word. When you engage with the word some four times a week, that bitterness, it just doesn't have a place in you. It's pushed out by the nature of God, by the words of God. Alcoholism dropped 57%. This is Christians. They didn't interview, interview non-Christians who weren't reading the Bible. Christians, 
Alcoholism dropped 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. 60%. I just don't feel God. I don't even know if I want to go back to church anymore. Where is God? Where are you? Um, right here. But, but we don't feel it or sense it. Why? Because we're not engaging. And when we engage at least four times, supernatural things begin to happen with the Holy Word. Uh, viewing pornography drops 61%. It's an epidemic in the church. It, it, the perversion is an epidemic. It dropped 61%. So when you hear all these pastors who fall into sexual sin, you need to ask them, well, were they reading the Bible? Yeah. Wow. They were preaching in on Sundays, but were they engaging with it the rest of the week? Wow. You know, they say that about carpenters have the worst houses, mechanics have the worst cars, preachers have the worst Bible reading life. <laughs> Look at this next statistic, which is really what began to really stir me. And that is sharing your faith spiked 200%. 200%. You just can't help tell people, listen, you know, God is so good. Let me tell you what he's done for me and my family. I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you. In fact, I was just reading in Psalms today. It says he'll never, ever abandon those who are the righteous before him. Amen. I don't even know what that means. I know, but it's awesome. Here's the next one. Look at this. Discipling others spike 230%. So this church is built on one concept and one concept alone. Go and make disciples. So this church will suck if each and every one of you don't decide that you're going to help someone else get a little closer to Jesus. If you're waiting on me to be the superhero preacher dude who's going to fix all your problems, this is a, that will be a sucky experience for you. Because we built everything on what Jesus told us to do. Go and make disciples. And that every member is a minister. That everyone can help someone. But if you're not engaging with the Word of God, you're like, oh, I can't help that person because i got my own problems. But when you begin to engage with the Word of God at least four times a week, this thing begins to explode in you. Why? Because rhema comes alive. The Word of God comes alive in you. And it begins to transform you. It begins to transition you out of your old way of living. In fact, when you became a Christian, you've got to understand this. You became a Christian by faith. That's what you did. You said... I believe that when I die, I will go to heaven because I've committed my life to Jesus Christ. I confess him as my Lord and Savior. I bow my head, I bow my knee, and make him the Lord of my life. And then from that point forward, you never wanted to curse again. You never thought, you never thought a dirty thought again. You didn't know how to steal anymore. You couldn't remember how to smoke weed. You're like, I don't, I don't even know how to do it anymore. You just forgot. Is that what happened? That's not what happened. I wish that would have been what happened. That's not what happened. You made a commitment to Christ, and then guess what happened? He started you down a process of transitioning you. And guess what? So many people hit the wall in the transformation process because they stop engaging in the Word of God. That's why you can have Christians who've been in the church for 30, 40 years, and they're just the meanest, honoriest, wickedest people in the world. All of you laughing because you know them. Some of you laughing because you... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so I am committed to helping you become the man and woman of God he created you to be. And so we committed last week to all read through the Bible together. In fact, as your church, we put together 
um, what, what we did was we went on the Bible app and we became one of the churches, you know, that could have its, the whole church going through a, a, a Bible uh, um, plan together. And so, in fact, put, the, put up the QR code. If you haven't downloaded the Bible plan, all you have to do is pull out your phone, scan the QR code. Okay, it's going to take you to, uh, you know, the, the online Bible program, the little app. If you don't have it, it'll help you download it. And then you'll start the reading program through Hill City Church. Okay, and then it's a real easy Bible reading pr program. And every morning I wake up, and the first thing I do before I get out of bed, I don't even get out of bed. I don't even kiss Miss Jamie because my breath stinks. I just open up my Bible app right there. First, I find my glasses. Hey, come on, older folks. All right. I didn't used to have to do that, by the way, young people. It's coming. It's coming. Just telling you. It's coming. And then I, and I put my glasses on. I, I kind of find it, and I forget all these text messages. And then I find, the, find my Bible app, and I just, every day this week, I just been reading through the Bible plan with you. And I'm telling you, the word of the Lord is stirring in me so strong. It's going to stir in you so strong. It's a real simple Bible plan. We're going to read uh, for the whole month of January, every day. You say, Pastor, I didn't know we were doing that. I'm a little bit behind. Listen, the first week was so easy. You can knock it all out while you're sitting on the pot today, tomorrow. I'm telling you right now. You just, we just get on through it and catch up with us. It's going to be so fun and so wonderful. We'll read through the New Testament. And if you want to stay with us through the whole year, you'll end up reading through the entire New Testament and the book of Psalms, which is huge, right? Because most people have never read through the entire Bible. And so much less just the New Testament. So it'll be powerful and wonderful. So there's a QR code. Go ahead and scan it. Come on with us. It's okay that you're a little bit behind. And my goals in this whole process for the next couple weeks, here's my first goal that I got from the Lord for you. And that is that each one of us would experience the transformation effects of Rama. That over the next month, you say, you know what? I'm just not as angry as I used to be. I don't know what's... Oh, yeah, it's the Bible. I'm reading the Word of God, and it's becoming a part of me. You know, I'm just not as tempted to click on that or to look at that on my phone. I just don't... I don't know. It's, it's like God's doing it because it's supernatural, the rhema of God at work. And here's a second big goal, and that is this, that through reading His Scripture with us, all of us together, that we can start hearing His voice. God is always speaking to you. He loves you. And he doesn't need me to be his go-between. He wants to speak directly to you through his holy scriptures. As your pastor, I'm to equip you for the work of the ministry. But I am not the voice of God to you. He has his own voice to you. He wants to speak directly to you. He did away with all that, having to have a priest and all that in between him and his people. He tore that veil. He rent that in half when Jesus died on that cross. And he said, come on, now you can get to me. Come, come be with me. Come sit at my feet. Come, come engage with me. I'm with you. And he wants to speak to you. So that's my goal through this whole thing. So this week, we had seven days of reading the Bible together. And what we're going to do over the next three weeks is I'm going to take one of the passages that you read. And I'm going to maybe break it down and expand it a little bit. So this week, today's passage actually was miraculous. was found in Luke chapter 4. I had skipped ahead and read about a week or so ahead. So I was preparing earlier this week out of Luke chapter 4. And I want you to turn there quickly with me. We're going to start in verse uh, 1. So you won't even have to read your Bible app today because I'm going to read most of it right now. This is in Luke chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Is it okay if we read a good bit? I'm going to read 15, 16 verses. Good. Thank you, Christians. Uh, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. Who led him? Who did? 
He was led by the Spirit in the desert, verse 2, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. Everybody say hungry. He wasn't hungry. He was hungry. And there's a difference, let me tell you. Verse 3, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written. What did Jesus do? He answered, It is written. So he starts quoting the word to him. Man does not live by bread, or excuse me, on bread alone. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, verse 8, it is written, worship the Lord your God with, and serve him only. And the devil led him up to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all his temptings, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee and the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. Now, you'll be reading these passages as well. And so what my prayer has been is as, as I pick a passage each week to kind of expand on on Sunday that maybe you've already read it and you've already got great revelation. And so as I begin to share, you go, I already know that, Pastor. Oh, God already showed me. In fact, Pastor, let me tell you 10 things that you missed that God was showing me in that. That will make me so stinking happy. But since you probably hadn't read this one yet, I'll go ahead and start off because it was today's reading and kind of break it down a little bit for what I see God speaking and what he's speaking to me through this whole process, thereby speaking to you guys as well. First, it starts off that who led Jesus to be out in the wilderness? The Holy Spirit. If you'll back up the chapter before, Jesus goes to John the Baptist and says, I need you to baptize me. John initially says, I cannot baptize you. And Jesus says, you have to baptize me. And John says, okay, I'll do it. And as he baptizes Jesus, he comes out of the water. Jesus is 30 years old at the time. As he comes out of the water, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, bodily form, comes and lands on him. At the same time, a voice out of heaven speaks, this is my son and whom I'm well pleased. This is where we get the concept are one of the key pieces that we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit engaging as one. And so that we made up the term Trinity to represent them, but that's where we see God in three persons, but yet one God in, engaging. And so this is the first time, as we see in Scripture, that Jesus begins to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is 100% man, but he's 100% God at the same time. And so Jesus now has got to the age of 30 for the last however many years. He's been working as a carpenter in his family's business. And now he is stepping into his moment to begin to walk forward as the Messiah. He's been hidden, if you will. And at this baptism, the Holy Spirit comes down upon him. And who begins to lead him? The Holy Spirit. And it's my position that as these 40 days are going forward into the, into the wilderness, that Jesus is learning to be led by the Holy Spirit. Which is all of our tasks. When we become a Christian, now I'm trying to figure out how do I follow God. I'm trying to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to, it's not about good and bad or rights or wrongs or, or rules and regulations. All of the Torah, all of the regulations, all of the law was supposed to be spirit-led. That we love to obey. In fact, Jesus said, unless we go past what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. We have no part with him. Why? Because it should come from a place of supernatural love for him. And as, as Jesus is following the Holy Spirit out in the middle of the desert, he goes for 40 days. He doesn't even need food. He doesn't even probably want food. Why? Because he's engaging with the Holy Spirit. 
This is a cool engagement. This is like, wow, wow, man, the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the same power that rose Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit who also dwells in us as believers. And so he's learning, if you will, at 30 years of age to follow the Holy Spirit. So he's following in the wilderness. They're having engagement. The Holy Spirit is searching out the things of God and revealing it to Jesus. These interactions are happening for 40 days. And in the midst of that 40 days, guess what happens? Satan comes to tempt. And I would just like to encourage you with this thought that the moment that you give yourself completely to God, Satan's going to come and get you. Welcome, O great one, to the love of God. And I'll tell you why. And and I'll show to you the three areas that he literally was trying to control Jesus in. The three areas that he desires to control you and me in. And we see it in the life of Jesus in this moment. So I'm telling this, the devil's desire to control three areas of your life. The first one is our wants. Everybody say wants. Wants. Say it again. Say wants. wants. Look what he tells Jesus. He opens up and he says to him, he says, listen. And I picture he did it a little bit like this. You hungry? No, I'm, I'm okay. Oh, come on, man. 40 days. Whoo. I don't know about you. 40 days. You're looking kind of skinny. I can see your ribs up in there. Man. He finishes him a nice steak. He's sitting there in front of Jesus trying to tempt him. And then he actually says to him, he says, listen, since you're what? The son of God. Can't you take these stones and turn them into something good to eat? Can't you do that? He's appealing to Jesus' wants. He's trying to get him to think he needs something. This is, this is how Satan always does with us. He tries to tell you that you got to have it, that you need it, when really all it is is that you want it. He tries to get you to say, oh, you got to have that. You need that. He starts tempting Jesus on what he needs. Jesus' response is magnificent. He goes, listen, idiot. The Bible says the only thing we really need is the rhema of God. That's what he quotes the scripture back at him. He uses rhema to defeat the temptation about what we all should need and what we should all want and what we're all striving after and all these big pieces. He's so manipulative in this whole process. I can remember uh, back in the day, um, I was a traveling minister and Jamie and I, what we always would do is we would live in a house for a couple years. And then, um, and then after we lived in it a couple years, we'd fix them up a little bit nicer or something like that. Or if we had built it, you know, we would then flip it. We would sell it after living in it in a couple, for a couple years. And we would make gains on it. And that's kind of how we got ahead. We never lived in the same house more than five or six years. We'd always try to do two or three years and then sell it and move again. It helped me with two things. Kept, kept her from becoming a hoarder. And it made me money. It was magnificent, right? And baby, you got to sell that. We got to move to another place. I don't know what we're going to do with all this stuff. You got to clean that out. And so, and so we constantly did that. And one of, the, one of the bigger houses that we moved into was in Lake Ridge. We, we bought this house in 07. I was traveling a good bit. I was running a Bible school. We had a really good income source at the time. And again, the plan was always just to, to buy this so we could flip it and get ahead and constantly be doing this. So it's right before the economic downturn in 07. We bought this big, huge 4,100 square foot house right there in Lake Ridge, looking at the lake at the end of the cul-de-sac. I mean, it had two and a half acres. It was a mansion of a house, and I loved this house. This house uh, had been in foreclosure, 
and uh, the banks had been fighting over it because, as I think I understand, the bank gave this individual a loan uh, for the house, and then another bank gave him a loan for the down payment to the other bank. And so the person just took the money and walked away from the house, and the banks were fighting over it. So squatters were living in this mansion of a house, 4,100 square feet. You can't imagine. It had uh, the upstairs had multiple bed. It had four bedrooms upstairs, a big game room in between, a spiral staircase on one side of the game room, and the normal staircase going up from the main entry of the house. It had a giant office. It was all wood inlay. It was a magnificent house. The back wall was nothing but glass, and you could see all the way to the lake. And in fact, in the summertime, I think uh, one time we had an electricity bill that was like 1200 bucks or 1500 bucks. Big old house. Wonderful. And listen, all I would have small group there, and people would come over, and they were like, oh, oh, oh. Now, you got to understand, I did not grow up with money. Me, me, and Pop will tell you, we were poor, okay? And so, in fact, we were, we, were, we were really poor, and then we met Pop, and we got more poor. I mean, he brought all kinds of debt to us. And so, single mom, and then she married him, he had more debt than we had. And so, and so we just, I mean, I bought my own shoes during school. I bought my own bicycles. I mean, Mimi was like, baby, I can't help you. I hope, hope you make it, you know. Better cut some grass, son. Better get out there and hustle. And so that's what I did. And so for finally in my life, you know, I'm in my, at this point, I'm probably in my mid-30s, and I have arrived. I got the house. And people are coming by. People will drive down the end of the cul-de-sac and get out and take pictures of this house. This is a nice house. And we bought it for a half of what the man who built it for, what, what it cost him to build it. Because we got it right before the economic downturn. Well, as I'm living in it, we hit the economic downturn. And the value of that house, I had planned that I would put about 50000 into it and that it would go up to about a seven, dollars $800,000 range and I would make about $300,000 and that I would be rolling in the money and can do whatever I wanted with my life from the rest of my life. That was my plan in my mid-30s with this house. Hit the economic downturn and now this house isn't even worth as much as what I paid for it as a foreclosure. And I am traveling, and I'm telling you, it's in the middle of the economic downturn. We don't have as much money coming in. I am ministering here. I'm ministering there. I'm ministering here. I'm ministering there. I'm never seeing my family. And I had a friend of mine, an older man in the faith, pull me aside. He goes, hey, are you okay? I said, yeah, what do you mean? He goes, you just look really tired. I said, no, praise God. I'm full of the Holy Ghost and fire. <laughs> he said, no, you look really tired. He goes, are you traveling a lot? I said, yeah. He goes, how many engagements are you doing? I said, I'm doing about 80 engagements a year. He said, hey, there's only 50 weeks in a year. I said, yeah, I'm doing about three a week um, every, during the summertime, um, hitting conference after conference after conference. And he goes, he goes, why are you doing that? I said, because God's called me. He goes, how much of it is because you've got to pay bills on something? I said, none of it. I would never pimp out the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's wrong with you? And he goes, well, let me ask you this. How many engagements would you say no to if you didn't need the honorarium? I said, none of them. <laughs> that thing worked me over for about three weeks. I prayed over that, prayed over that. The Lord got me in, the, in, in my prayer time. He goes, Adam, you love this house, but you don't need it. And you're killing yourself to pay for this house. I was like, but God, if I sell this house, where are we going to live? And we had a little old beat up piece of rental property. And he goes, you can live there? I'm like, no. That's so ghetto. I'm going, we've already made it to the east side. 
I'm not going back. What? No. And, and it was then and there that I realized I had been tempted with what I wanted. And he had trapped me in with not what I needed, what I wanted. And it was killing me. And I didn't realize it, but I was probably starting to lose my kids. And I know that Jamie and I were already strained in our marriage. It took a revelation, a rhema. That man does not live by bread alone. Without every word. Look what Matthew actually says it like this. The same passage out of Luke. Matthew quotes the same moment with Jesus. And he says, I like the way the message says it. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy. He says, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. What have you and I been tempted in? Because we think we need it, but really we don't need it. And that's what he was trying to do with Jesus. You know you're hungry. Dude, just turn the stones and the bread. Feed yourself, bro. You need to do that. And he says, no, 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 no. Let me set some things straight. All I need is rhema from God. It will sustain me in the difficult times. It will be there for me. This is why you find Christians that are dead on the inside. They've been in church their whole life, but they're dead on the inside. Because they've chased after all of the wants of this old world system he's trapped us into big houses and cars and and being popular and busy and important and how many people follow us on social media it's the reason our young people are constantly tipped uh, you know tempted away like you don't need god that's boring that's worthless and jesus sets it right so no no what you need is the reign of god the revelation Every moment of every day, God engaging with you, showing you who he is, showing you his ways because he knows who you are and making you great. Here's the second thing that Satan does to him. He tempts him in this way. He says he actually takes him and he takes him to the high place. And I don't know if he's up in the up in the clouds. I don't know if it's it's more like a like a video screen. And he goes and he says uh, he shows him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Verse six says. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. Now, what a lie. Satan tells him, says, all the kingdoms of the earth, and he shows them all, all the ones to come. He shows him the United States. He shows him Russia. He shows him all the kingdoms to come. He shows him, he shows him Italy and all the things that were going to happen in the Middle Ages. He shows him all those kingdoms, and he says, hey, they're all mine. And I can give them to anybody I want. Well, first off, that's a lie. That's like a squatter trying to sell your house to somebody. That's exactly what that is. Like you don't own the kingdoms of this world. You tricked Adam and Eve into sin. And so they gave up their rightful position as authority. But at the end of the day, we as believers can take our rightful position back. All you are is a squatter, and you don't own the nations of the earth. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And all authority and power has been given to him and placed under his feet. And so Jesus doesn't even mess around with that whole thing. But he goes into saying this. He goes, so what I need you to do, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. What he's actually tempting him with is his love. Because worship is all about where do you put your worth. That's where you get the word worship, worth-ship, if you will. What's valuable to you? What do you love? And he's always going to come after your love. Always going to come after your love. 
The moment you get committed into a small group or a group of friends or a good local church, the moment you start growing in the things of God, he's going to come against your love. He's going to try to make you bitter at Jesus. He's going to try to make you bitter at your friends. He's going to try to make you bitter at your spouse, at your children, at your parents. He's always after your love. Why? Because actions come from the place of the heart. How you love. That's why he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. This is the greatest commandment. It's all about who we love. I always ask Christians, you know, like, do you just go to church to hear, to make you feel, feel, feel yourself good, feel good? Or do you love God? I love Jesus. I love him with all that I am, all that I have. I don't do everything right, and I don't get it all right all the time, but I love Jesus. So while everyone else is deconstructing their faith, let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm building my faith because it's built on my love for him, not built on what brother so-and-so said or sister such-and-such did. I am built on this love relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so it doesn't matter those who get mad at me, those who go another way, those who say I don't believe in God anymore, those all break my heart. But at the end of the day, I love him and he loves me. And that's what this whole thing is about. So Satan goes, if you'll love me, Bow down. If you'll love me, I'll make it easy for you. You won't have to go to the cross. I'll give you a shortcut, which is what we see happening in Christians' lives all around the nations of the world. You don't have, listen, you can be a superstar Christian by just worshiping me over here. I, just worship, just give worth to this over here. Love this more than you love the Lord your God. You know, I can always tell what people love. You know how I can tell what people love? Because they get excited about it. I've told you this before. Years ago, I would, when I was traveling a good bit, you know, I'd, go, I'd never forget going to this one church. And this guy walks up to me afterwards. He goes, he said, uh-huh. I have a pretty good message, preacher. I said, great. And he goes, uh, I said, you love God? He goes, yep, yep, love the Lord. I love the Lord. The Lord. That's like saying I love my old lady. Like, like the Lord. Like, dude, there's zero passion and intimacy in that statement right there. But you can tell him, he's, he's ready to drop it on me. Uh-huh. So you from Dallas, huh? Well, see, yes, sir. <laughs> Them cowboys suck, don't they? Uh-huh, look at you. He said, but I tell you what, them Raiders, baby, I! He just got all loud. I was in California. He got all loud. Them Raiders, baby, It's Before they became Las Vegas Raiders, they just went from one wicked spot to another. Anyway, and they were, Raiders, He got all loud, and everybody was like, yeah! And I was like, Hmm, I know what you love. Because when you love something, you can't stop talking about it. When you love someone, you can't stop giving yourself to them. And so it makes no sense to me why Christians say they love Jesus, but they can't talk about him. It makes no sense to me that you say you love him, but you surely wouldn't worship him. And so I think there's a broken spot, and that's where you've been tempted. That's where I've been tempted. To bow down over here, to, to, to hold my tongue over there, or not to show my love and my affection for the one who saved my soul, who I'll spend eternity with forever and ever and ever. Look at this temptation. If you really are the son of God, I will make a shortcut for you. You won't have to do any of the cross stuff, and I'll give you all the kingdoms. Just bow down and worship me. And I love what Jesus puts in your smack. What does he do? He takes the word of God, and he smacks him upside the head. This is why some of you have not been able to overcome some of these temptations because you don't have the word of God to use as your weapon to smack him upside the head. 
That's why we got to get in the Word every day, every day. That's why we as a church are going to get better at it. We're going to learn the Word. We're going to know the Word. We're going to love God. We're going to have Rhema. As we're reading the Bible, like, I don't even understand this. Part. I don't even understand, but the more I read, oh, wow, that makes sense. That's what I'm believing for you. Oh, this is a, and I'm just doing this because Pastor Adam said, oh, look what God says right there. Wow, ding, 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 ding. That's what I'm believing for. That's what I'm believing for. It's going to happen. You know why? Because God loves you. And because anything you do consistently becomes a habit. And habits dictate your character. They do. There's no one in this room that has abs that we can see. We all have them. But that we can see. Who eats whatever they want, when they want, and never exercise. They don't. Those ladies and those men who have abs, they show up every doggone week at that gym. The reason why you can't see my abs, because the gym is the devil to me. All right, moving right along. <laughs> the devil. The Lord did not create that. <laughs> Worship the Lord your God. This brings us to the third way that Satan tried to tempt him. He says from there, it says he takes him up to the top of the temple. Puts him on the top of the temple. And he uses the thing that he used in the first one. <laughs> so, you say you're the son of God. Why would Satan say that to him? If you're the son of God. I'll tell you why. Because 40 days earlier, as he's being baptized, a voice out of heaven says, This is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. God, the Father, speaks over Jesus, the son, and says, This is my son. 40 days of temptation. And he's just trying to follow the Holy Spirit. And next thing you know, here comes the temptation. And temptation's hitting him. And he says, If you really are the son of God, you need to prove it to me because I, I don't believe none of it. I'm from the prove me state. You got to show me. All right? Throw yourself down. Throw yourself down. Because if you truly are the Son of God, doesn't the Bible say? Twist the Bible. Twist the Bible. Boy, I've been watching so many Christians hanging out on YouTube and listening to these dummies who are twisting the Bible to make it sound good. They're like, oh, that's true. That's what it says. That's not... <laughs> Who God is, bro. They took one scripture, pulled it out of context, and made all kinds of foolishness, and you know it, but you've been deceived by it. Cast yourself down. And doesn't his word say that he'll take his angels and make sure you don't even stub your toe? Isn't that what it says? And Jesus says, bro, no. The Bible says don't tempt the Lord your God. I want you to understand what he's going after here and now and what he goes after us, number three, our identity. Our identity. Who are you? Who are you? Who, who, who are you? Why are you on this planet? Who are you and whose are you? You know the problem with an entire generation that's wicked? It's not because, you know, all the time I'd always say, you got to help them young people. Them young people with sex, drugs, and rock and roll is going to get them. That's the problem. No, it's not. The problem is not knowing who you are. It's not knowing your purpose. There will always be temptations. And I always challenge, especially homeschool parents and stuff like that. Listen, you're trying to, if, if your motivation is trying to keep them away from evil things by protecting them from all the evil that's out there, you've got to understand we all have evil within us. We have a sinful nature. And James says it's our own evil desires that drag us into temptation. 
So your goal is not to try to protect them from them, but teach them who they are in God so that when temptation comes, they go, oh, that ain't me. I don't want none of that mess. Go keep your own junk over there. I know who I am. And this is what Jesus is able to do. Jesus doesn't even fight with him. In fact, if you read the passage in Matthew, he goes, get behind me, Satan. I ain't got time for that. Because he knows who he is. And that's my question to you. Do you know who you are? Who are you? Why are you on the planet? What are you supposed to be doing with your life? What is fulfillment? What's purpose? When I was 13 years old, my mom decided that we had just become Christians. Her and Pop had just been married a couple years. And they decided the best way to keep Adam from being wicked was put him in a Christian school. That wasn't smart. Because at the Christian school, I learned from all the Christian kids who had been in Christians their whole life how to be carnal and wicked. And so, and the first thing that this Christian school did was they did a retreat and made all the kids go to the retreat. How are you going to make me go to school and do a weekend retreat? Oh, I was ticked about it. And make me pay for it. Like, this is crazy. I'll never forget. I was sitting in the back of this thing and this guy was preaching, womp, 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 womp. All the young people are in there, they're like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm sitting on the back row, like all the cool young people. I'm bent over like this, this is so stupid, oh my God, this is so stupid. And so I had a piece of paper, and so, and so I started making a paper airplane out of it. And, uh, and you got to understand, I am a professional airplane maker. Because as an only child, with a mom, single mom with no money, all I got was a piece of paper sat in the room and like, work it out, buddy, Hope, have fun. She'd take me to work and like, don't say a word. Sit in this room and don't say a word. And so I'd make paper airplanes. And so, and so I'm sitting there and I'm making a paper airplane with this piece of paper kind of thing. And there's this little nerdy guy sitting over there, a couple rows over. Amen, amen. I'm like, watch this, watch this, watch this. And so all my buddies like, whoa, whoa. I said, watch this, watch this. And so all of a sudden the guy preaching just turns this way. And when he turns that way, I stand up and I go, and I throw this paper airplane. And I'm telling you, every demon in hell guided this thing. This sucker was so, it was like a dart on a rope. I mean, nails him right in the temple. And this little kid jumps up. And all my boys like, you the man, you the man. And then I sit up like, oh my goodness, what happened? You okay? What happened? And the guy preaching stops. And he looks right back there at me. And he says, you, son, the blonde hair. I had blonde hair in them days. He said, you. And I did like you would have done when you were 13. He's talking to you, bro. And he's like, no, 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 son, you right there. Stand up, come here. I'm like, oh, and they're all like, ooh. And it's a Christian school, so all the teachers are there. So I start walking forward, and all the teachers are like, shh, shh. We see you, wicked kid. We know who you are, Satan. <laughs> so I get up there and the guy goes, hey, I want you to lift your hands and close your eyes. I'm like, no. Because again, I'm, I'm the original eight mile. I'm from the hood. I'm not lifting my hands and closing my eyes. Like, you're going to jack me, but I'm going to see it coming at least. I'm not going to close my eyes. Okay, you go ahead and hit me. Like, I ain't doing that. Just rob me. I'm not doing that. No, sir. I'm not. He goes, son. Right now, lift your hands and close your eyes. So I lifted my hands. He goes, close your eyes. But I did that thing like that where you can still see him. <laughs> and he goes, God says this to you. I see you're like a Dennis the Menace. Sorry, younger people. 
I see you're like a Dennis the Menace. And all the teachers are like, you got him now, preacher. Ha! Prophesy. Like, shut up. Y'all don't know me. Always getting in trouble. Always being crazy. But God says he made you that way. Because God is going to use you to be a part of the end time revival in the earth. You are called to raise up a generation of warriors who will not bow their knee. Who will not give themselves over to the wickedness of, that gener of their generation. He has set you apart and called you as a holy nation unto himself. I mean, by this point, the rhema of God, the voice of God's going, and I'm, <laughs> I mean, God got me that day. So I want to apologize in advance that you have a pastor who can't, I can't be like all the other pastors. I wasn't made that way. I was made to call you into righteousness. I was made to be a part of the end time revival and to get you there. And to live in that space of righteousness and not be a carnal church where we just come to hear good messages. And do we like the kids' ministry enough? And, hey, we need bigger buildings. I'm sorry. I was made by God. I know who I am in Christ. And so that means some people don't fit with us when they come. They're like, man, all he does is preach, preach, preach. All he does is call us into righteous living. Yes, I, he made me that way. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry if that didn't fit you. There's some really good churches in the Metroplex that will be really nice to you. But I'm called to call you out. Out of complacency into a righteous living for God to change the world together. That's what I was made to do. I know who I am. So when I'm tempted with, hey, won't you just take it easy? Why don't you just, why don't you just do this thing over here? I'm not able to give into that because I know who I am. Do you know who you are? Why did God make you the way you are? That's why I want you to go through our grow tracks, not because it's our little system, because I want you to go through the questionnaires like I went through and, oh, I see that. That is how God made me. That does make me different, but yet I have a part to play in this congregation called Hill City. That's why I want you to do that, because otherwise you're just sitting out there like, oh, no, uh, people don't like me. I'm just, you know, I'm just that, I'm just that person. Uh, honey, God made you that person. Now we need to hone that in. So that you can fulfill your purpose on earth. Amen. Satan comes to him with three temptations. He wants three things of Jesus. Just like he wants it of us. First thing he wants is he wants our wants. He wants to tempt us that you need this when really we don't. We don't. What we need is the word of God. Then he wants our love. He wants to tempt us away from loving God. And then at the end of the day he wants to confuse us on who our identity is. I know who I am. And so I'm just telling you right now, I was made by God to bring black folks, white folks, Hispanic folks, Asian folks together. I was made by God. I was made by God to take older people and younger people and bring them together. I was made by God to do that. So it, that will frustrate you if you're like, I don't want to be a part of that. That will frustrate you. I was made by God to do that. I, 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 I know who I am. And so, and so it, it doesn't work for me. You know, it doesn't work for me to be you know, a church that everybody votes Republican. It doesn't work for me. Or everyone votes Democrat. Doesn't work for me. Because I wasn't made that way. I was made to bring us together. And so God then, if he's put you here, there's something in your identity that connects with my identity. What connects with what God's trying to do in the earth here. That's why you're here. And when you don't know it, then you're easily tempted away. And that's why Satan almost would have you. 
except for this. The word of God says. And the last I read, here's a couple thoughts that you need to know about who you are. The last I read, according to the scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 1 John 3 and 1 says about you, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. So when you start hearing you're a loser, you see there, you looked at that again. See there, you curse that person again. You back up and you say, whoa, 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 I made a slip and I may have sinned, but I know who I am. I'm a child of the Most High God. He's called me out of darkness into his marvelous light, and I don't have it all together, but I don't belong to you, and I won't be a part of that. I am a son. I am a daughter of the Most High God. I'm a royal priest. I am called and set apart, and he loves me, and he has a plan for my life, and if you can't do that every time you get depressed or every time you get something bad happening in your life, that's because then you don't know who you are. This is the great temptation. Who are you? And as we go into the word together, Every day reading the scripture, you'll start realizing who you are. Your identity will be secure. And then Jesus, when he finishes being tempted, if you will, look what it says he did in verse 13. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. He'd come back. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. I would just like to encourage you, if you've been being tempted about all the things of this world, if you've been under attack about who you are and whose you are, if you've been under attack about divided love, and I, I love these sports, but I love God too. If you've been under attack, let me just tell you what it all ends up with. As you overcome it through the word of God, you then begin to walk in the spirit. And the Bible says that he began to lift Jesus up, that people are like, Whoa, what did he just say? Wow, look at what's coming off of this man. Wow, that is revelation. Friend, can I tell you something? It's not about being bad because you're tempted. It's about fighting through that temptation with the word of God and standing in the truth that you learn and being full of the Holy Spirit. He was following the Holy Spirit when he got tempted. He overcame the temptation with the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And then as he comes out of that, what does the Lord do? He flows in the spirit. And then if you'll keep reading, it says miracle signs and wonders started happening. If you back up, Jesus does no miraculous signs until this moment. Until this moment. So testing your faith is what Satan's going to constantly be doing. And the way to prove your faith is because you know the word of God. Would you stand with me quickly across the room? I want to pray over you and minister to you for just a couple moments. Here's what I want you to do. Set your Bibles down. Set your notebooks down. Set your spouse down. Just set them down. Okay. Here's what I want you. I want you to just kind of create a space right where you're at where you can engage with God. I teach people to close their eyes because if you're ADDDDD like I am, then I, I got to close my eyes because I start like, wow, what's that dude doing on that keyboard? Where do you get them shoes at? And so I, closing your eyes will give you the opportunity to just kind of concentrate. And I want you to just kind of engage with, with your God for a moment. And here's what, based on the reading this week and the message that I brought forth from part of our reading this week. Here's what I would ask the Lord. Lord, where has Satan tempted me and I've fallen for it? 
asking for raiment, a revelation to show you. Are you holding on to things that you say you need that you don't really need? Has your love become divided? Are you confused about who you are? God has a way to get you out of it. The power of the Holy Spirit in this moment and the revelation of his word on who you are, who you love, and what you really need. I want you to ask the Lord, say, Lord, would you show me what I can't see about myself? Show me the blind spots as I go into 2023 and I really focus in on loving you. Lord, I don't want the enemy to tip me away from you. Listen, if he thought he could get Jesus to fall, Jesus, he had just heard him called out as the son of God. But don't you think he's going to come after you and me? And if Jesus used the word of God to defeat him, then what should you and I do? Father, I thank you for these precious, precious family members. My spiritual family, Lord, I love them so much. And Lord, I've journeyed with you for many years. Some of those years, Lord, I didn't know who I was. I was chasing this dream and chasing that dream. And somebody said I should preach like this. So I tried to act like that person. Someone said I should do this. And I didn't know truly my identity. And Lord, once I had revelation on that, everything shifted. Lord, I pray for those who are not sure who they are in you. Lord, would this week's time with you in the word just, just, just shred all of the lies. And let there be a security that they are sons, daughters of the Most High God. That even in hardship, you still have favor for them. Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, for those who've had divided love. Lord, it's easy to happen. We just get going through the day, just going through life, and, and we're told, love this, and we're, and we're passionate about this, and we have lost passion for you, Lord God, that we would not bow down and worship the things of this world to give it more value than we give you. And then, Lord, for those of us, Lord God, who think we got to have this thing. We've been tempted away with the things of this world. God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, you'd bring us back to what really matters. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus, we love you. If you keep your head bowed for a moment, I want to give a call to anyone who might say, Pastor, i got to be honest. I'm, I'm in this place with you today, or I'm watching online with you. And I just know that if I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven. I've been there. That is a miserable state to live in. I remember I was like I was running from God. It's not that I didn't love him in my heart. I just was ashamed. I was I even was confused. I thought I had to do all these good things and I didn't have the wherewithal to do the good things. I couldn't stop my sinning by myself, if you will. I believed all those lies. But can I tell you what the Bible says? The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Isn't that powerful? Doesn't say you have to give money to the church to be forgiven. Doesn't say that you have to, you know, that you got to go to services every Sunday to be forgiven. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And I would like, I would like to help anyone today who says, Pastor, it's time. I'm ready. I'm tired of running from God. I'm ready to submit. I'm ready to make Jesus my Lord. I'm ready to confess with my mouth that he's my Lord. I'd like to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance. A prayer of confession, a prayer of dedication. No one's looking around. This is deep. This is private. This is personal. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm going to pray with you right where you stand. The cameras will not zoom in on you. This is you and God 
This is an eternal decision. Do you want Jesus to be your Lord? Are you prepared to repent of your sins and to confess him as the Lord of your life? If you say, Pastor, I'm ready. That's, it's time. I'm ready to get right with God. Then I'd like to pray with you. With no one looking around, if that's you, would you just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, it's me. Pray for me. I want to get right with God today. Leave me. God bless you. Anybody? Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Give you a couple more seconds. You're not by yourself. Many are responding to the love of God right now. Amen. Thank you. Yes, sir. If you're at home, online with us, I may not be able to see your hand, but God sees it. And he sees the condition of your heart and your love for him. I want you to put your hands down. I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. And right where you stand, I want you to mean it from the depths of your heart. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to pray out loud alongside of you. But those of you who lifted your hand, know this. That in this holy moment, God accepts you just the way you are. He will clean you in the days to come. But right now, yours is just, just to drop your heart at his feet and say, here I am, Jesus, forgive me. So let me lead you in this prayer. Repeat the prayer like this. Say, Jesus, Jesus. Today, today I admit, I admit I'm, a I'm a sinner. And I recognize, I recognize I've sinned against you. But here and now, I repent of my sins. I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. I'm yours forever. In Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed for a moment? Father, I pray for every man and woman who just cried out to you. I pray right now they would feel peace. <laughs> peace. They're not fighting against you anymore, Lord. Oh, yeah, they've got some problems still to face. But guess what? They've got you going before them now. Lord, I pray that that peace would overtake them. The Bible says that we have joy as Christians. It's called the joy of our salvation in Scripture. Lord, you know what? We may not be perfect, and life may not treat us fair, but at the end of the day, we're going to spend eternity with you. So there's a hope and a joy, not for just this life, but also for the life to come. So I pray that they be overtaken inside of who they are with that fresh joy of God. And then, Lord, I thank you that when the days come, and the, maybe even the hours come, and they stumble and fall and sin, that you would remind them they're not perfect, they're forgiven, and that they're yours. And that, Lord Jesus, I ask you to connect them with other godly friends. People maybe in this church, Lord God, that they can bond with, Lord God. We all need to walk together, having someone watch our back as we watch others back. And, Lord, I just pray that you would give them divine relationships, connections with other believers. And, Daddy, I thank you for what you've done already in 2023. We give ourselves completely to you, and we love you. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. Can we clap for how good God has been to us today? We love you. Hey, thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today. And I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469-606-2684? And uh, we want to respond and again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus. Don't forget, next week we are here again, same place, same time, 9 o'clock and 11. And until then, we hope you have an amazing week.